episode 14 designed company podcast and today we decided to talk about sharing wealth effectively my brother Mohammed, how are you doing today i'm uh, very well thank you we're finally free in france to go about as citizens and enjoy nature so life's pretty good happy birthday also thank you thank you uh, a year older and wiser yes yes uh, or as Latan Ibrahimovic, one of the greatest footballers uh, in the world, said, "I was born old and I'll die young." <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. You know, especially in fifty years, I'm sure I can buy like a couple of AI extensions and this kind of thing. So it's good, man. Yeah, as long as we reach that like escape velocity, as they talk about, right? Which is that the the life extension technologies are extending life by more than we are dying, right? So that we can get that like continuous forever life going yeah i mean i will probably wait for version two or three to come out though you know i like yeah, to be adventurous yeah. but you also got to be a minimum careful <laughs> yeah so so talk about version two uh, i suppose we're talking here about version two of capitalism mm. uh which is about more sharing and effective sharing because, uh, of course, there's been a whole bunch of looting going on and that feels like unfair uh but then so many people feel like they've been unfairly treated. Uh, and the whole designed company model is about fairer way to run a company that is more sustainable, balanced, and we find in nature, balance works well. Balance is long-term play. Balance is long-term prosperity. Uh, so... What's the first thing that comes to mind when we, when we mention the phrase sharing wealth effectively? <laughs> well, I think that, you know, this is very well pre-framed by, you know, what we're doing with design company and by extension, what you're doing with integral design, which is applied philosophy, right? So you see so many armchair theorists who like have never hired a person in their life talking about how we should share the wealth, how we should distribute money, uh, giving all these theories. But really, if you look at it, it's all about using the skills of design and consciously designing how we pay people, how we structure companies, how we structure capital. Um, and just really leaving aside any ideology, just really focusing on the first principles of, you know, who generates value? What is fair? How do I make sure that, you know, everybody can grow in all senses of the term uh, through a purposeful activity? So really, I think the, the, the goal today is talking about how do we design, in, in really the design thinking sense, um, a capitalism model that works? And not on a social scale, but just even on a company scale. Because ultimately, if every company is doing things well, well, society at large is doing things pretty well. So one thing that I had realized in, in all this exercise of designing these models, really thinking through it, I did a talk at a blockchain uh, conference two years ago at like the peak of blockchain kind mm -hmm. of like bitcoin was at the peak and people literally uh couldn't get in on this on this conference they, they kind of oversold the tickets by twofold and uh it's just like everything was just like buy 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 and uh, and in that peak i was thinking well this peak is going to trough off and when it troughs off, everyone's going to give up on this game, which coincidentally happened with that same conference next year. Conference barely got organized. And then there was just like, they couldn't sell 
a handful of tickets. They're trying to give them away and people didn't want to come. Yet, yet blockchain technology is still the same technology that, that it was year before. And uh, maybe it's, it's even actually better in the practical sense. Uh, so, and my talk was about investable blockchain companies. And I used the design company model to actually plot out uh, some of the core parameters that come off of all these uh, areas. And, and then say, well, you can, if you parameterize that as a piece of software, then what software is really good at doing is keeping account, right, of what is there and what's not there, what's real, what's liquidizable, what is not, uh, and, and, and how much of what there is in the company. Uh, and so, so that actually became a very good blueprint for the whole designed company evaluation model. Uh, and, and, and it really got me thinking about what is a fair share distribution across the company and to whom it goes and uh, how do uh, you know, actors within the company get that, get that value and maybe release that value. Uh, and so the, the whole notion of actual blockchain technologies, whether we're using blockchain or not using blockchain, the idea of a smart contract is, is a powerful one. Um, now, of course, you're a superhero, super genius developer. What comes to your mind when I say smart contract, irrespective of blockchain, you know, and using that as a, as a distribution of wealth? Yeah, so I mean, I'd, I'd like to come to that kind of back more in depth on the system side, because I mentioned people and products, but already what I can say is this is certainly a future consideration. You know, if you are running financial infrastructure on the blockchain and you can connect that to third party systems, is really just like automating the uh, payout of various items. So rather than having really big quarterly bonuses, if you've got a smart contract system uh, with some oracles, so oracle in the blockchain sense being, you know, uh, third-party world signals. So maybe it could be the CRM saying we booked X amount of deals. Uh, maybe it could be the accounting saying we're at this particular level. Then you can trigger out those payouts on the blockchain. So blockchain is pretty interesting. It is a system. And I want to come back to the systems later, but I just kind of want to first nicely tie up together people and purpose because if you look at sharing the wealth, it starts with the values as a company. So I was listening to a podcast the other day and you know, this guy mentioned actually something which is quite interesting, you know, so we talk about the gender pay gap. Um, I don't think actually, you know, I mean, whether it's valid or not, I don't think it's so much that women are paid less for certain jobs than men because men are all sexist and they have the power. I think it's just more maybe, maybe something that women are less inclined to ask for a higher salary. And so the issue there is actually something that's universally human because as an employer, I think it's very old model. It's not the future. And this is what we're going to discuss today to try and get the biggest amount of labor for the lowest amount of money possible. Um, yeah. Really what you want to be doing is thinking with your employees interests in mind. And so what this company does is they pay their employees very well. They have a standardized uh, tables uh, for pay based on your experience um, in the company, like your role, et cetera. But there's no more of this bias, right? And they really want to make sure people are taken care of. So, before we look into the actual systems, how we can make that happen, ultimately, in the design company sense, it's about stopping this division between 
capitalists and laborers in the very Marxist sense where you're just given a subsistence salary and instead recognizing that now we're in a knowledge economy where people are more and more important because the less important jobs are being automated. And so if that's the case and these people are generating an exponential return on investment based on their labor, then we should also be proactively designing ways to exponentially pay them. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's really the goal here. So I'm going to talk about some more in detail. But for example, for me with Anya, one of our big goals is to reach 1 million euros per year in revenue per employee. So the average SME does about 100k euro, uh, euros a year per employee. Average SaaS company does about 133, 200k per employee. What I want to do is hit a million with intelligent automation so I can really have people that are amongst the highest paid in the world in their respective fields mm -hmm. and who have a share in the value that they're contributing. Yeah, and that sounds counterintuitive, right, to most quote-unquote capitalists, yet that is so powerful. And that, that's empowering people through not just money, but actually helping them understand that the work, the kind of the quality of work that they're doing is directly responsible for the, the remuneration that they get. Yeah, the value uh, they generate, which affects their remuneration. Yeah. And so uh, that's quite, quite a <laughs> radical innovation piece there. Uh, but, but it looks like we're living in a time where a lot more of that is required just to even balance things out, not even to create some sort of like major prosperity, but just to kind of save us <laughs> from ourselves. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it just makes sense also, like out of respect to people. I mean, you know, I'm lucky enough to work with very smart, capable people like yourself, like um, and other people in the team as well throughout the week. And so for me, like, I would ha rather have like one really, really good UX designer like yourself, rather than like four guys just out of university that are just trying to try to figure out what makes sense based on the latest Instagram fashions, you know? Y yeah. And, and also the fact that, you know, somebody out of university, the, the probability of it is, is low, but it's there. That it could be, yeah. Th there is somebody coming out of uni who is super talented, willing to work willing to adapt and you know maybe at the beginning they might need to work quite a lot and not hit many goals right? yeah. but that's okay that's okay because that's what we all went through that we're but, still yeah. like i'm still going through that in many areas of my life where i'm not as skilled as as i was as i am in, in others that i've spent years of my life honing in those skills but that's so, one other thing yeah. as well i just want to interject on that because you said about goals that's one of the other key things usually in a company when you talk about compensation you say well you're making this amount let's say you're a junior you're making this amount less than this guy because he's much more senior than you as so you kind of get into a game where people's salary is based on comparison with each other mm -hmm. and my philosophy on that instead is different it's you just have to compete against yourself. So the only mm -hmm. question is, do you deliver value in your particular role within the bigger system of the company? And if so, you know, because, okay, somebody might be more experienced than you, but even you as a junior, you might be doing something really important that gives a big amount of leverage to what that senior person is doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really moving towards a system. I mean, yes, yeah, so they might not be paid exactly the same, but the whole point is, 
everybody sees the final results. It's not these little game squabbles between each other. It's everybody seeing where the company is going collectively, understanding that somebody might be better at them at something, but that's an advantage. That's not a disadvantage. Yeah. The only competition is against themselves. Yeah, and, and, and in that sense, that's the power of this model that you can, as long as you are growing individually in a systemic way, mm. right, and you're purposefully treating yourself right, as, as the beginning, like the origin of systemic, innovative, productive, mm-hmm. money-generating growth, if you're doing that with yourself, you are inevitably going to be contributing to the company because that's the fractal nature of this. Mm -hmm. And then when more and more people do that and approach it that way, they're inevitably going to be generating exponential growth and value add. And that share of, of of that wealth can, is, and will be codified into the company, whether we call that a smart contract whether we call that um, automated, systemic, programmatic, yeah. you know, oracle. A clear uh, algorithm uh, for going from results to money that pays for your trip to the Bahamas. Exactly. And then it really doesn't matter who you are so much. It more kind of matters who do you want to be. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. So that's the point. I mean, there's... Um, I mean, for example, there's one person that I'm going to be recruiting in the near future, you know, who's a really good salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. This guy uh, has done door-to-door sales. He's still doing them now. He doesn't even have a university degree, but I don't really care because I see in him somebody that has a very high level of skill in sales, really good general culture, like a really good relationship towards others. I also recently hired somebody who went to like one of the most elite schools in France and they're really good at what they do, you know? But it's never been about the label. For me, it's always just about, you know, does this person understand where we're going? Can they deliver value? What's that kind of dark matter, right? So that's also an important thing, kind of another topic of debate. Um, But really, I I believe that everybody has something that they're really good at. And so for me as well, as part of the recruitment policy, I don't just want to hire people, have them do a job which pays the bills. I want to be in a situation where they can do the thing that they're most good at, which is going to produce a huge amount of money which means I can pay them insanely well. And it's just like a virtuous circle. Exactly. And, and also it means that if and when they're paid according to what they deserve, they will generate more value for the company than what they get paid. So there's yeah. no way for the company to fail under those circumstances uh, because the, co- the, the company retain, the value retained in the company will always be higher than yeah. the value given out to employees, which is quite the opposite of what is currently uh, the case with most startups uh, and, and companies really. Like I, I, I've always been perplexed by the fact that you know, venture capitalists value and evaluate a startup based on how many employees they are uh, hiring, right? And say like, oh, we're really growing. We're hiring 10 people a week. And, and then you realize, I mean, I've literally cases have been uh, that, that um, a blockchain, I can't remember which company was this, but uh, it was a blockchain startup in London that hired 20 people in the growth department for a company that didn't have anywhere near like finished product. And these 20 people who were mostly working in the social media sort of realm and area, 
they oh, were God. supposed to come up with these kind of content strategies and content pieces and promotion, uh, you know, tactics and strategies uh, for something that didn't exist as a product at all. And at best, you know, if you hired one competent person, they would be able to smash that piece of work out of the ballpark. Instead, yeah. what they ended up doing is these 20 people were like basically bored out of their skulls and ended up quarreling over like wording of some sort of imaginary brand that this company was going to have. Uh, and of course, the company ended up spending all the money employing these 20 people sitting around doing nothing and quarreling with each other. And don't it's forget the ultimate well, anti-pattern. <laughs> those 20 people, you're also going to need to introduce some management in there, which is yeah. an additional cost yeah. for not much apparent value. Yeah. And, and, a, and a number of us have found ourselves in this kind of super weird situation in the past. And this has mostly been in the corporate situations. But what I've realized over the years that the VCs have introduced that corporate, they, they talk about it that startups shouldn't be like corporates, but they bring in very much that corporate mentality mm. by default, uh, where, you know, we've, we've sat in a corporate gig and literally gone like, I could I could knock this out of the park in a day, but but they they've given me three months to do this in, and then if I do do it in a day, outstandingly, they'll look down on me because I haven't utilized my time properly, uh, and and so so the current system. What the current system does is that it creates organizations that are extremely good at making smart people feel stupid. Mm. Uh, it, again, it's one of those anti-patterns we talk about all the time where people have to serve the system and not the other way around. And yeah. so you have this kind of a system that's there, you know, asking questions, people have to fit into that. And yeah. that's the end of it. Um, and, and it's a limiting system, a system that's constantly putting limits on people like, as if people didn't have enough of their own limits. Well, it's, it's monolithic, <laughs> right? It doesn't move. It's just there. <laughs> so, I, I mean, talking about system then, so I'd kind of like to get a little monologue and kind of just lay out basically uh -huh. um, systems and innovation of how we're going to design the compensation at Anya. And I think it's a really good um, case study, mm -hmm. an example of what we're talking about here. So the first thing in terms of the share table, so um, I'm basically the sole founder, um, currently I own like all the capital, there's some due out to different advisors, but um, you know, I'm in that situation, right? And so a lot of people, when they set up as a sole founder of a company, often it's for very narcissistic, e egotistical reasons, you know, like, ah, keep the control, I am the God Emperor in this space, you shall bow to me, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? And so my mindset's kind of always been different it's that I wanted to have that majority share because that way I could insulate the company from the external world and just really create a space where I don't have to ever tell anybody, dude, let me check with the investors, right? That we can always just have a space where we can contradict each other, where people are free to disagree, to agree, to share their opinion, right? And so there's this concept I love. I believe it comes mainly from the financial world, which is the concept of fuck you money, right? So it's the amount of money that you need to be able to tell your boss to go screw themselves at any particular point in time. And so for me, what's very important is making sure that as quickly as possible, my team is at the fuck you money level. Why? Because 
it's going to make the relationship much healthier. Like there's no fear of, okay, if he fires me, my financial future is affected. Secondly, it's going to empower them to disagree with me even more. And I've always found that the most learning, the most evolution I had was when people disagreed with me because I might have agreed with their disagreement, but it forced me to reconsider what was I was already thinking. And that's the kind of culture I want to create, right? So um, th that's kind of the mindset. So in terms of the comp, there's three aspects, right? There's equity, there's uh, normal salaries and plus, you know, fixed plus variable compensation, and then there is profit sharing. So in startups, you usually see an algorithm, which is uh, very shitty salaries, no profits because, you know, a startup shouldn't make money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and equity that is either pretty much guaranteed to be illiquid forever or that you get the opportunity to purchase when you exit the company. <laughs> After having spent many years, I reduced market salary. <laughs> yeah, it, like the whole thing is a con, basically. It is, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a con, right? So I had a look at it. I was like, okay, well, you know, how can I do this? I mean, as you know, I seem to get my driving license, but you know, one of the things is I want to get myself an Audi R8 at some point, right? It's about 200K, I mean, 150K base model, but if you have some respect for yourself, you get the options at 200, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to do things properly. So I was thinking about it and I said, okay, well, do I really want to be the asshole dude that shows up in front of his team? He's like, hey man, check out my car. If you work out, if you work well this year, I can buy the new one next year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't want that. I want to be in a position where if I can buy myself that, then the, uh, the rest of the team could also buy themselves that, right? Because I've seen these situations in the past, which is very unhealthy, which is where the founder, you know, owns the company money, owns the thing, and they kind of socialize with you and pay for stuff with their card. There's always a kind of unhealthy relationship, if you see what I mean. Like yeah. the extra stuff from your salary comes from lunches, dinners, drinks, kind of benefits but hey maybe i like you i like working with you maybe i don't want to see you in my free time i just want cash so uh, how about that you know? <laughs> I, had, <laughs> so I, had, I had i had this situation once where 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 a founder of a startup uh that I was working with he basically uh you know it's like sort of really badly compensating his his team and uh and, but then on the on the christmas do christmas party he was like, oh, like everyone come, is coming out with me for, for a lunch, for a dinner kind of thing, Christmas dinner. And, uh, and people came out and because there's quite a few people, it was like 20 uh, turned up and people do turn up to these things when they know it's like free, uh, yeah, yeah. free kind of um, food and drinks. He basically was like, you know, order whatever you want. And just people went a bit free, you know, on this. And uh, in the end, when the, when the, you know, the bill came, it was something like 800 pounds, right? And, and he started looking at this, he's like, started, was like oh, you know, this is quite a lot, <laughs> you know? It's like, well, why did you invite people, <laughs> right? And now he was feeling bad and now he was kind of like going to kind of psycho project this at everyone else. Like, why did you order so much? And it's like, why did you give them a free for all? <laughs> It's, it's it's ridiculous <laughs> it's so, like a it's like a cleverly constructed anti-pattern inside an anti-pattern it's like a clustered anti-pattern right Exa exactly <laughs> so this is the kind of thing to avoid right so <laughs> coming back to the way it's set up so there's kind of a different approach i've taken this may evolve the first thing on the salary side so basically like at market or above market salaries day one which means I'm not going to hire people until I can pay them very well. 
And I just consider that the respectful thing to do. Um, the second thing, equity. Um, so I might not, you know, I might not be giving as high numbers of equity as the rest of the people in the market, but the difference is that from day, you don't have to buy the equity with Anya, and from day one, um, it's yours and it's liquid. So if you leave the company, you get bought out at a certain price, like you've earned that money. And it's not like a crazy valuation, you know, like all these crazy VC stuff, but basically we've had a really good year where I'm million, two million, you're guaranteed to make a nice chunk of change. That's on top of your market salary. The third thing, and this is the biggest thing that changes for most capitalists is profit sharing. Like, you know, for me, I see companies saying, pour all your money in growth, pour everything into there, right? And I just think, man, how much money is wasted each year on Facebook ads or Google ads that don't convert? You know, like that, you know, that, I mean, yes, this useful, but how much is wasted there? So yeah. for me, one of the things as well is having a profit sharing scheme. And this is the thing that is independent of, of shares. So basically, everybody, all the full-time senior employees of the company, including myself, will get the same level of profit share. All the junior employees, they won't get as much, but they will also get all the same level of profit share. And so what, what that means is it's really an aligned incentive company where, you know, outside of potential one billion exit, we'll make it like a bandit as a founder, you know, otherwise in the lifetime of the company, it's a very equal and fair distribution. And it sounds like I'm being dumping a lot of money, but actually I know that if I have a team of like 10, 20 people who are like really happy, who are really elite at what they do, who are a million per person, dude, I'm happy to be making only the same out of my team because they're in the top 0.1% of earners anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, End of expose. That's kind of yes. I want to showcase a full scale of example of implementing this. So, so here, here's the thing where purpose really plays a, a core part here, which mm. is that, as you were saying all of that, what I was thinking about is that, and and I think most startup owners have had this experience where they hire an intern who might say they're even willing to work for free for the startup. Hmm. They, they might even say, the intern might say they're willing to pay to work for the startup. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen this happen. Yeah. And, and then they pay the startup to work there, but don't end up doing anything. Well, because I mean, they're misaligned on the purpose. That's how bad it can be. I mean, right. as a startup, you barely know what you're doing anyway. So why would you hire somebody who doesn't know what they're doing at all? <laughs> well, the, the, the reason for that is because they want, to, they want to learn and they want to be witnessing that process of the startup going from I don't know anything to I know everything within my realm. Okay. I mean, so that could be a very healthy process, but that healthy process would need to be... Uh, able to hold space for the unknown as well as known it you know if it starts in the complete unknown then that's where all the jewels and gems and diamonds are sitting in and as you kind of discover the unknown realm you'll you'll solidif solidify the knowns and put them into structure and whoever's willing to go through that process will reap the rewards of growth so you know eventually what I I see what you're saying. Uh, my policy on that is different. Um, you know, I'm always open to change, but for me, it's also out of like respect for the intern, you know? So I see mm -hmm. a lot of companies who just think, you know, it's like these hilarious companies, right? There's a CEO, a CMO, a CTO, a CPO, and four interns. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, only choose the interns, right? Yeah. But for me, it's just like, I think when you're, when you're bringing on an intern, you also want to train them. You really want to give them something that can help them learn in a structured way. And so for me, for example, my policy is we will never have interns until there is established team of five to 10 senior level employees that can really invest time in these people. Because I, you know, I'm speaking from my own experience as well. I think it's really important when you're in this early stage of your career and you're learning things that you can work with people who have experience, but also that you see a business when things are kind of already running. Um, and so in that respect, for me, uh, bringing an intern on for like the one to 10 part of the company, yes, great growth opportunities, like you said, great time for ideation, figuring things out. But I do think the zero to one part that's much more of a solitary journey. And you can only really do that with kind of like the long-term founders or people who will be here on the long-term. Well, so check this out. If I then flip this to the okay. other side, right? Unless people are aligned on purpose, once they start making big money, mm -hmm. if they're not aligned on purpose, they'll leave because like I made the money, yeah, I'm yeah. going now. But actually, if they're aligned on purpose, once they start making big money, they'll still stay because they're still uh, motivated to work in that company you just, at a massive compensation level. You just have something very, very important, which actually I want to mention, right? So one of the other good things about this policy with Anya is because if, if somebody leaves, right? I know, okay, they're listening for the money, which is cool because you purposeful workers, right? But this is the hack. This is the thing that makes us as a company very, very special compared to other people. When I talked to you about dark matter earlier, what I'm talking about is each time I'm talking with a person and figuring out how can I work with this person, what I want to do is create a situation where it's not just they're adopting the annual purpose and being like a fucking ambassador, you know, it's really instead reversing it and understanding what is their personal purpose, you know, yeah. what do they really care about and enjoy, and then giving them a framework and responsibilities within Anya where they get the resources, the money, all the other stuff to pursue that personal purpose. So, if, you know, for example, I, um, you know, as you know, we're looking at the education sector with Anya and like design company at the moment. Um, I hired somebody recently who's an education consultant who's very experienced in this area who likes Anya. But ultimately, my goal with her, for example, is to be in a position where she can use her consulting skills in education sector and get paid six figures for that, doing yeah. what she loves. Yeah, and and so. The, 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 the nature of this fractal model becomes the one where if and when the individual person starts growing to such an extent that they're like company onto themselves, what you're able to do is you can take stake in their own company and, and play an active part in, uh, in growing that as, a, as also something that you can part take in so this thing kind of ends up mushrooming naturally and growing uh, where if and when the fractals are all connected together they're feeding back at each other uh in a way that is symbiotic and uh, shares that wealth without it needing to be like constantly questioned am i getting compensa compensated a fair amount of what i deserve the answer should be both transparent, second, uh, understandable, and third, automatically uh, kept, right? So I think what you just raised is very interesting as well, because it's one other important idea that needs to be out there. 
we need to like stop this really we need to make much more fluid this barrier between employee and external partner consultant. And when I, when I say employee, I don't really have this kind of, you know, boss employee relationship. I just mean somebody like working full-time within a company, right? Uh, VS somebody who's self-employed or has their own company that's working with yours. I think it's just about saying whatever the legals at the end of the day, everybody here is part of a team, whether that's as an employee or a, or an external party, and just making sure everybody's super well paid. So for example, as part of our compensation scheme at Anya, we actually have that profit share. There's a special tier that's just for like the advisors and people that aren't employees of the company, but for example, you know, uh, experts like yourself, like the legal team, uh, like other consultants, you know, like even if they're not employees, giving them their share in the growth of the company beyond just the fees that they get paid and really making them understand it's a long-term initiative. So, you know, one of the things that's happened at one of my clients, uh, so growth in growth stage right is that up until the point where the company was quote-unquote struggling right Mm -hmm. but it eventually became an apple partner worldwide nice yeah and raised round c capital what ended up happening is that at that stage they said, now we're going to go out with external marketing and advertising agencies and started paying them at like six figures, seven figures sums Mm -hmm. to do that. And I said to them, well, at this stage, you've got money. Now you've got money. If you were to really compensate your internal staff, that same internal staff that got you to Apple partnership worldwide at like 10 X their performance. Yeah. Right they would get you what you're really looking for, which is worldwide virality of sales, growth, engagement, all these kind of things. And you know what they said? No, no, no. We're going to go with external parties that know what they're doing. You know what that created? It created internal rift because now the internal staff knew that this company was spending millions on external people and basically distrusting the internal staff that got them to that success, uh, you know, they, they were actually given real-world, legitimate, hard money to external parties. And, of course, what ended up happening is that the external parties didn't know the culture and yeah. didn't know the kind of the essence, the soul, the purpose of the company, and they ended up squandering that money on stuff that looked beautiful but had no real-world return. And that same company is now struggling and having to fire staff, right, internally because they squandered the money externally. Classic uh, old school bad decision making, right? So, but it's also I think it was also driven by the VCs. The VCs who invested said, "You got to go. You now need to hire professionals." Yeah, see, yeah. that's why as well, like for me, I really don't give a damn about like finding VC money at any price because it's useful to have growth capital at the right point. But I think just like financializing your company and forgetting that ultimately it's the people that got you there, they'll also help you get to the next step. I mean, yes, you might need to hire new, more senior people with more experience mm. to add an extra zero, right? That's one thing. But to just have a push towards growth, telling people there's always going to be that golden payoff to sacrifice yourself for 10 more years. I've seen enough BS in the business world 
to basically want to create something where I can make sure all these lies and all that BS doesn't happen to people that I work with. And mm. I believe that if you're generating results now, it's disrespectful towards you to tell you, okay, I might pay you in 10 years if the cap table allows it when we potentially exit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and these kind of stories happen all the time. Uh, and, and, and it's actually what's, what's over the years and decades and centuries really undermined capital capitalism uh because even now in the pandemic what's being bailed out is all the kind of fake economy the fakeness is being bailed out and what's being cut out is the realness yeah uh and so so it's only really a question of time in my mind at which point do like people masses worldwide so sort of click onto this and clock onto this and go, oh, hold on a second. The more I do, and literally this is a kind of big paradoxical realization in a, what is a broken capitalist system. The less I do, the more I earn. You know? Uh, so the CEO at top does literally nothing and, and gets the, the, mass, the biggest compensation. Uh, and, and that's perhaps okay if it's like a visionary CEO. So someone like Elon Musk or Steve Jobs and so on, maybe they deserve that. But somebody that just comes in as an administrator. Yeah. It, it's like, you're just like, you should be paid like some sort of management consultant and that's about it, you know? Certainly. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they do have important decisions to make that affect the whole company. So I can understand their comps, but I agree with you on principle. You can't have people... It's, this is not even some sort of left-wing socialist argument, you know. I'm yeah. more of a kind of a hardcore capitalist socialist. So make sure <laughs> that I don't mind you having like 10 million in your current account, and that's like not much. But make sure your employees are also swimming in, in the money, because otherwise it, it, it's very disrespectful. This is, this is the most hardcore capitalist argument, to say, like, do you not want to pay 10 pounds and get 20 pounds back? Like, yeah. that's the whole point right? Yeah, yeah. It's not the point to put in a billion. Like, literally, I mean, WeWork share has been re-evaluated just recently from 47 billion valuation to 2.5 billion. I think, I think those are wise words to, because you mentioned the mindset, right? And this very capitalist argument. So I will, build, I will build on that train of thought. And this there's is a, from a rock star VC guy. There's a saying that I love, which is, <laughs> you know what's even better than getting a check for a million dollars? Check for $2 million. <laughs> no, it's being the person that can write a check for a million dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the thing, right? If you can put yourself in a position to write a million dollar check to your employees, how much money is the company making for you to be able to do that? Yeah, and... <sighs> So, so that's what I don't understand because I seriously think in the heart of my heart, I am the ultra capitalist. Yeah. But to me, that means that, that let's say a person that comes in and works for free, let's mm -hmm. say, comes out and they get compensated, right? And person who comes in and, and works for, for 10 pounds, they come out and get 20 pounds. That to me is capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and instead what happens is that 
is that you get promised uh, equ equity or, you know, what's it called? Um, uh, uh, options. Options, yes. You get options. And I kind of sit with an employee in the startup. So do you understand what the options actually means? It's like, yeah, I get paid when, I, when the company does really well. It's like, not necessarily. <laughs> That's the whole point. You don't necessarily. You might like the company could do like extremely well and you could still maybe get nothing. And you did all the work. So you just got conned. Uh, and they're like, they, they don't like to hear that truth because they've been sold a lie. Yeah. And they bought a lie. You know, and it's, it's literally like in the book, Ultimate Secrets of Total Self-Confidence, the author, Robert Anthony, says, you haven't been sold anything. You bought it yourself. You bought the lie. <laughs> you know, and that's actually, it hurts even more because often the time people have this kind of tendency to blame. It's like, oh, they sold me a lie. And it's like, you bought it. You didn't question. You didn't have the critical thinking to actually understand what you bought into. <laughs> it's I mean, worse. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, that's just, you know, people <laughs> say this, don't ask themselves a question. Like, the other day I was listening to uh, this podcast again. And so this guy just like, it was so intellectually dishonest what he said. He said, well, you know, he, he was like, being asked about compensation. I mean, they said, okay, well, you know, how do you compensate your salespeople? And he said, well, you know, the, the developers don't get monthly bonuses. They get their salary. So I think it would be unfair if I was giving bonuses to the salespeople, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, I mean, why instead aren't you saying, okay, let me design, because any salesperson, right? If you don't have commission to motivate you to pick up that phone on Friday afternoon, you're not going to sell, right? That's just part of sales. It's mm -hmm. eating what you kill, right? Mm -hmm. That's part of that job. So if you can design a way for, for salespeople to get monthly bonus, then you can also design something that works for developers. It won't be exactly. the same way, but yeah. why not? <laughs> why shouldn't the developers be also getting a return on investment on the technology that they're building? Like yeah. You're taking people, you're saying, okay, we're going to build a completely automated system that generates revenue on itself, but your revenue is going to be tied to your labor only and specifically. Yeah. And I literally 10 years ago, I designed a, a ticketing tool, right? Because uh, I studied this like managing virtual teams in completely virtual environments in 2002. And I was like, well, so what's the most valuable thing that humans have? You know, we get told this by this kind of cap capitalist kind of self-help gurus. And the conclusion is always, it's your time, right? And then it's like, time is money. Right. And so I thought, well, okay, in the productivity tools, why don't we have time as a thing that equates to money? Right. So if I say I got to do this piece of work here and it's going to take me half an hour and I charge two dollars an hour, that's one dollar for that half an hour piece of work. Mm -hmm. And so when I complete it, it means half a dollar sorry a dollar due to be paid to me for that i think also just as a side note it would make people much more careful before entering 10 unspecified tasks in the tool exactly so i coded this tool 10 years ago and i started using it for my own uh work tracking okay and and i used it across multiple projects and i could literally see how much work i've done report back to myself and also how much i've earned 
for that. And then a friend of mine who studied with me at the master's degree, he reached out to me and said, oh, Jason, we've got this kind of uh, development company, you know, that I've set up, you know, do you have any projects that you need working on? So yeah, absolutely. I've got it specced out down to a T exactly, you know, what needs to do. I said, oh yeah, great. You know, just send me the requirements and we'll do it. Right. I said, fine. So just basically added them as collaborator on that particular project. The guy looked at it and he knew there was no way to mess around with me because I had it literally specced out. And I said, how much do you charge per hour? And he said, oh, we only charge $10 per hour. Great. I put $10 and worked out exact estimate for how much that project should cost to deliver. And the guy never got in touch with me again. Why? Because he realized he couldn't mess with me in terms of exactly what I needed, what I wanted, how much it was going to take, how much should it cost, and it being a completely fair thing. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I mean I think I think we've covered a lot of topics today. I think we, as we draw you know towards the close, uh, is there anything else in particular that's really important to you to to discuss about on this particular topic of sharing the wealth? I think wealth can can and often is shared very fairly mm. and equitably, and um, I think that's the only way in which we're going to create a fairer world for everyone to live in where people move more towards construction rather than destruction that's it agreed um, <laughs> i don't have any particular wise saying to finish off today but if i had to recap it i would say it's this ultimately it's about quitting this kind of you know bs paradigm of boss vs employee it's like let's ban the boss word and like never use that word again and just yeah. agree, it's like human beings occupying different roles within an organization to achieve a specific goal. And for people yeah. who are CEOs, who are leaders of companies to remember that their role is not the person that they are and doesn't give them a magic authority. And no. that part of their role is also the responsibility to look after their people. And anytime you think that you've gotten a really good deal, all you're doing is actually stealing from yourself in the future. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Thank you very much. Nice one. Looking forward to the next. Speak next time. Bye-bye.